Oh man. Okay. Um, that's a that's a, actually a very difficult question, right? Okay. And there is no right or wrong answer. I think the first thing I'd approach is it, it comes from you. It comes from you and within you and whatever you use as your compass and whatever you use to direct you. I know for me, when all the odds were against me and everyone may have said, consider something else or do something else, I knew within me that I was going to match. I didn't know when, I didn't know how, but I knew I was going to match because this is a path I know God wanted me to walk. And this is a path I know I wanted to walk, right? So a big part of it comes down to you and you truly knowing was this really what I wanted to do or not? Or was I just doing it for my family or for parents or for wife or husband or, or socials just because it's a norm and everybody's doing it? Was this truly what you want for you and for your career, right? That's important. Now, having decided that, okay, this is truly what you wanted, I think one of the best advice I got and it's something that really stuck with me, especially in that year, um, when it was really hard and I mean, I eventually matched, but was, you know, this uh, young lady I met, she was a resident. She said, Andre, the only persons that don't match are the persons that stop trying. trying, trying, trying. Hey there, and welcome to the IMG Residency Match podcast. You're in the right place if you're an ambitious international medical graduate who wants insider strategies and inspiration to help you match into residency. I'm your host, Shauna K. Lister. I've been an admission consultant and writing coach for 12 years, and for the last seven years, I've helped IMGs create residency applications that help them get multiple interviews match, and create the medical career they want. When Dr. Andre Morgan graduated from Howard University's Internal Medicine Residency Program earlier this year, he graduated as a chief resident. But there was icing on the cake. He was also inducted into the Alpha Omega Alpha Medical Honor Society. So AOA inductees are chosen for the honor because they have displayed a lasting commitment to professionalism, leadership, scholarship, research, and community service. So really great achievements. But rewind a few years and you won't find Dr. Morgan occupying lofty roles and winning selective awards. What you're going to find if you rewind is a younger Dr. Morgan determined not to give up on his goal of matching into residency in the U.S. because he didn't match after his first or second attempt. And as he lets us know in this podcast, there were many evenings of many tears to go along with that. So how did this young physician go from being a three-time match applicant to being a chief resident, we can actually say an (laughs) award-winning chief resident of his dream program? We get into that and much, much more in the season one finale of the IMG Residency Match podcast. So this episode is for you if you want to learn about the role that mentors played in Dr. Morgan's career choice, why a young Andre didn't actually realize that he could become a doctor before his mentors, you know, brought it to his attention. We talk about Dr. Morgan's most memorable patient experience, a little bit of a heartbreaker there, 
and why he pulled out of his local residency program in internal medicine and decided to instead apply to the NRMP match. So we also talk about, you know, some really honest things, including the social pressure that comes along with not matching, and I'm sure not matching multiple times as well. The pressure that, you know, what the, what does that feel like when, you know, everyone else is getting on with their careers? How you can know when to give up on your match dreams if you're an IMG who has applied multiple times, you're not matching. We talk about how imperfections in your profile as an applicant can work to your advantage. The one piece of advice someone gave Dr. Morgan that encouraged him to apply to the match a third time, the time he was successful. We talk about what it's like to be chief resident and, of course, what Dr. Morgan does for fun. So enjoy. Today we're talking with Dr. Andre Morgan. He is one of the chief residents at Howard University. I am so happy to have him here. I'm actually doing this interview in person, guys. <laughs> so it's so exciting. So welcome, Andre. Okay, thank you so much for having me, Shana. Right. And let's pretend this is a residency interview or a job interview. Tell me a little bit about yourself. That dreaded question. So I'm Audrey Morgan for your listeners. And as Shana said, I'm currently at Howard University Hospital. I serve as one of the chief residents in internal medicine. And I'm a graduate from University of the West Indies, Mona Campus in Jamaica. And I've been around the Caribbean a bit in terms of working experience. I've worked in Antigua for a little bit. I've taught at St. George's University in Grenada. And uh, outside of that, I love playing soccer, or we say football, but who knows where your audience is, where they are. And, um, and I love playing dominoes. Oh. Yeah. Are you so good at dominoes? Back then, I was really good, competitive level, good. Oh. No, I've not played in a long time. I mean, some things you don't lose, but I'd be cautious to use good in case someone who really knows me is listening. Oh, okay. yes. That's so interesting. Are there domino tournaments or something? Yes, or? yes. It's big international game. You have a lot of tournaments. There are a whole lot of rules and so forth. Yeah. I used to play really, really hard in high school with my principal, no principal, but then probably vice principal late in the afternoon with some of my other science friends in this huge competition, huge competition of just rivalry and bragging rights and so forth. Yep. Oh. That was, yeah. <laughs> A little bit of the secret life of science students. That's what we're doing sometimes in the afternoon, especially when I'd be home late, 10, 11 o'clock in the night. What was I doing? I was out playing dominoes with the teacher. But never mind. We, you know, we got into med school and we have one. So it's, it's fine. Everybody is happy. Wow. Okay. So yeah. if you've never heard of dominoes, not the pizza, the game, go <laughs> right. look it up, see what that's about. But for people who know dominoes, hopefully not everybody is as shocked as I am to realize that dominoes is a competitive sport. Yes. Very competitive. Very vibrant. A lot of tables turn over and people climb on tables and so forth. So yes. Okay. Very this is interesting really interesting. Game. I'm going to go Google yes. that now. All right. So how did you get involved in medicine? In Jamaica, as many persons will probably know listening, I ended up doing the sciences. And natural course here is you do the sciences. Chances are nine out of 10, you may end up doing engineering or medicine or something in the science field. So initially, I wanted to be a chemist because one of my mentors was a chemist. 
and then it became chemical engineering. And then when I was in sixth form, we ended up shadowing at a hospital as a part of this career guidance package. And I went to the hospital and really loved it. And then I got mentors from the hospital and then they explained the field to me and I'm like, oh, great. I feel that I could incorporate everything I know, not only just the physics or the math and so forth. And it seemed like very challenging and this lifelong learning, which was important to me. And then, of course, you have the added cliched things that people say, but they are pretty true. You get to help persons. And I don't think, I mean, all fields help. But for this one, it was really dear to my heart. And then to just consolidate it, I think I witnessed a motor vehicle accident. And and I was like, okay, I don't know what to do. And I thought, okay, five, 10 years from now, I would like to know what to do. And not only probably offer money or safer roads or something, but actually know what to do in the moment. And that just led to pique my interest, really. And yeah, thereafter, I just applied to medical school. So no big, great story or family history or anything like that. It just Mm kind of, I think, education and mentors just led me to the path and I just opened the door. And here I am. I'm curious now when you were talking, it actually crossed my mind that the whole mentorship program and stuff that you were describing for high school sounds very structured. I'm, I'm not even sure I remember. It's, it's not. It's not. It uh, retrospectively, sometimes we create things and it sounds really good. <laughs> it's, it's not and it is. So I went to Manchester High School okay. and um, my guidance counselor at the time is Wesker. I love her dearly. She knew a lot of persons just very instrumental in helping students and I was one of those students who needed help right mm-hmm. so a, a lot of it came with okay how do I steer this young man or any other student into the right direction a lot of my science teachers and just generally had a liking for me mm-hmm. so they would sometimes ask you know what do you want to do and so forth and when you say some things people be like oh you're probably underestimating what you can do and they're like you know what I think you should meet this person or you should meet this person and it was one of my bio teachers Miss Morgan she's like I need you to meet this doctor and um, she's like you probably be a good physician you know this and I was like oh I never thought about it medical is so expensive could I really be a doctor that's and they're like oh stop underestimating yourself you can do anything so I ended up with mentors through that a lot of people who are mentors me probably don't even know they're mentors because I really try look up to people and at least take away the good from persons so they would not necessarily know to but I'm like oh I like that about that person I would like that from that person that from that person so okay. yeah so, so it's not as structured and as I probably <laughs> made it sound initially uh, but it is there I, I don't know if it's different now but that was definitely there Okay, what was the guidance counselor's name again? Uh, Mrs. Wesker. <laughs> okay, Mrs. Uh, Wesker, yeah. hello to you and thank you for bringing us back to Morgan. <laughs> Were you an outlaw or something? Did you need special? Oh, <laughs> no, it was more so I'm, I'm from, people say humble beginnings, right? Okay. That's, that's the word they use. I don't know. That, that's the correct word to use, but um, I was, I grew up poor, basically, mm-hmm. and um, I was at Manchester High School, which is can be a little bit elitist in terms of the students okay. and, and in terms of the things you need and resources and so forth so for some things some students needed help and um, I was one of those students who needed help with respect to certain things so 
we became friends and that just really blossomed from there because now I understand what they were seeing and seeing I think they saw potential and they're like okay we can groom this young man into a bigger better version of himself yes you were probably very rich in your mind oh definitely all right so what would you say was your most profound patient experience in medical school probably say beyond medical school trying to remember if I've had I mean you have so many these days man it's just uh something that had stayed with me was actually not when I was in medical school but probably a resident and I was in the hematology oncology program here and I remember breaking bad news to a patient and it was this young man who probably just reminded me of myself he had just married had a child and he was there to see us and he had no idea why he was there to see us but he didn't think anything was really wrong he was just seeing a doctor mm -hmm. and he had metastatic cancer that was like terminal mm -hmm. and breaking that news to him was really hard and I think what was worse was um, when we started treatment like probably first two days or three days into his treatment he actually died of a complication. Mm -hmm. And the hardest thing was trying to resuscitate him. I honestly, it was the only time I, I actually broke in tears, oh, compressing no. that man's chest, man. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was very, very, very heart-wrenching. But it just reminded you of how fragile life is. Mm -hmm. And that sometimes, even though we're physicians, some things we really take for granted. You know, it could have been me on that bed, right? Sure. There's nothing preventing anybody who's listening from this to be in that situation, oh, right? Sure. It's just something that came on. It wasn't something lifestyle or something he chose or so. Mm -hmm. um, so I think those moments are really humbling. And I think a lot of the experiences I have now as a physician, mm -hmm. some I probably don't even know, but what I know I always take from them now is just a humbling experience that there is no God complex with being a doctor. There's zero God complex. Actually, mm -hmm. if you're a good physician, I think it makes you so scared and so humble, mm -hmm. right? Just to serve people. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. I feel like every response <laughs> is profound. You guys uh, can't see me, but I'm sitting uh, here and my face is wrapped with attention. <laughs> oh, okay. that's what, ex I, I suppose that's what experience does as you go to, when you try to learn from them, at least. And that's actually common in terms of when I talk with people about their most profound or memorable experiences. Mm -hmm. So for a lot of people, they care about all their patients, mm -hmm. but whenever they see a patient who reminds them of themselves, like somehow, like they're like, you know, she was my same age and she right. couldn't use her fingers. Right. They were all bent. And people feel very strongly when you realize that there is nothing separating you from the patient. It's just chance. Nothing at all. Nothing at all. And that... That's important for us. It's important too for us to do it not so much that you can function, but so much that you can offer your best self to every patient. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. And so when it came time for you to apply to residency, well, you were actually in a residency program locally, mm -hmm. and then you switched to going to residency in the US. Why did you decide to pull the plug and jump ship and sell out and oh. contribute to brain drain be a terrible human being. Oh man, I <laughs> know, I know. It's such a, um, that's a really heavy question and I could answer it from so many different, different levels. But I think one of the main things for me was when I looked five, 10 years into the future, 
I try to imagine what life would be like here or wherever it is. And I don't think it's what I wanted. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think it's what I wanted in terms of a career and in terms of opportunities and so forth. So I ended up looking elsewhere. I did struggle a lot with that about brain drain and so forth. I was not really joking though. No, right? no, but it's a serious because I am very patriotic. I must say that, right? Okay. I love Jamaica. I'm truly a product of the soil. I went right. to med school as a, as a government scholar. So the government did pay for uh, my time there. I did give back my five years before I left just to put that out there. So they don't come running me down. <laughs> In the end, sometimes, especially for professional fees like this you have to make a decision for yourself sometimes mm -hmm. and I look at it sometimes as if someone goes away and they become a top cardiac surgeon or a top person in their field you may set up more for your country doing that in terms of relationships and things you can offer your country and opportunities to other grads to probably come and shadow you and rotate with you or gain experience from you. Or you visit like they do at Bustamante Hospital and train physicians there and so mm -hmm. forth. So sometimes it may look like a brain drain, but you know, overall it may be more beneficial. So I'm looking at it from <laughs> that side. And who knows, I may end up coming back. Um, I definitely do plan to work and um, volunteer my services, especially to the parish and the community that I'm from. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think self-fulfillment is a huge deal that a lot of people don't consider that. So it's like, I mean, I will look at both sides right. of the coin whenever these discussions come up. Like you want to have your workforce, you don't want to have shortages, you don't want to have terrible public health. But I think a lot of times people overlook the importance or just how strong drive can be when people know it's like you know exactly what you could be it's, exactly it's so hard to ask somebody to sit with that and be like exactly. no just just be less just be comfortable with being less than what you know you can be exactly. it's a really huge ask yeah. i think yeah i think everybody um everyone is born with that innate drive as you say and i think for physicians too there's that passion that's burning on the inside for a lot of us and when you think can I be, for example, I was doing HEMA, can I be a top oncologist? Chances are you can't do that being from Jamaica, especially now in the 21st century where right. a lot of the breakthroughs and so are coming with technology and money and support and that you can't do that from here. And you think, okay, there's nothing stopping me from being the best. Going back to high school and they say, oh, you can be anything you want to be. Right. Um, right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm a possibility, right? And sometimes you need to be beyond possibility now, right? And actually realizing this. And unfortunately, sometimes some things you, you can't be the best by being here. But um, our diaspora is as important as the people who are here. Absolutely. So I always tell people I'm a big fan of not bloom where you're planted, but plant yourself where you bloom oh. and then make your decisions. Oh, that's after perfect. That. <laughs> How would you describe your road to residency? Oh, man. To the match. To the match. Specifically. It was hell. I mean, I can't even, I anticipated or looked in and thought, okay, worst case scenario. And it, it really exceeded <laughs> that. <laughs> I must say, and I'm not, and I'm not saying that to um, defer anybody from doing it. I'm just saying that to to say you have to be prepared and you have to be ready 
for it. And you have to have really made up your mind and know that whatever comes what may, you will persevere. Mm-hmm. And, and that was important for me. I knew when I made the decision that I was all in and I initially had to do a lot of things to commit and to show that I was truly all in. And now I understood why at the in the initial phase, I had to make those commitments because later on, really in order to persevere and finish the race, I really and truly had to just remember why I was doing it in the first place. So overall, it was really one of just true perseverance, right? Mm-hmm. Just through the through the lows, I want to say through the highs, but there weren't so many highs, mm-hmm. just through the depths. And when you thought, okay, this is the lowest I think I would go, then you drop even lower. And I almost gave up. I was really at a point where I was just like, okay, you know what? Um, this might just not be. I probably read the universe and the plans God had for me wrong. Mm-hmm. So let me give up. And in the end, it, it really worked out. Um, but the, goal, the idea is it, it really has to be something you've made up your mind and you're true about and you're going 110%. Not just saying it, but it's deep down in your heart. You mm-hmm. know that when you get zero interviews mm-hmm. in a year. That happened to you? Yes. Okay. That happened to me one year. You know, okay, and it's just all rejection. Mm-hmm. You know that, okay, next year you literally plan you get up and you plan again. Mm-hmm. And when you plan again and you finally get the interviews and you think, okay, this must be the year that I'm going to match. And then you don't match mm-hmm. and you cry your way to sleep. In theory, that's you in year two. <laughs> it, right. Then you have to get up after and plan mm-hmm. and be like, okay, how am I going to be better to go again at this in another year and this process is year long so it's not like right. a month or two months it's right. year long right. right and you you have to plan and calculate and execute with all the social pressures of people so, oh you don't match it or oh you this or oh you that or why are you still doing that right yeah. and just to keep going again and again and again but as i say if you want it you really want it then it can be yours Mm-hmm. I feel like we should have an applause break for Andre's <laughs> drive and resilience, just as you describe it, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah, that, that's that's tremendous drive and resilience. I'll just tell you to your face. That, okay. That's boss Andre. Thank you. That's not normal. That's not every day. It, it's not. They, I'm trying to remember the quote that they always say, sometimes some people get things easy. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes some people get things really hard. Um, and sometimes you kind of wonder why. I think for me personally, I think my idea in my life is if something is really, really hard for me to get, but it is mine, I know there's a reason why it's so hard to get. And I know when I once I conquer that and I get it, then it will make a lot of sense. So I'm not surprised that, for example, my childhood was probably difficult in terms of resources and getting there because now as I've gotten older, I've seen so much influence and so much possibilities, right? Um, So sometimes when these things happen, because of my past experience, I know, okay, the whole idea here is to persevere Mm. because what the door that will be open when you persevere, it will really blow your mind right? Mm -hmm. So this was important to me uh, Mm -hmm. because I really think 
who knows what will happen. Let's just say who knows what will happen five or 10 years from now. So my other question, which follows perfectly, is that you've had to be resilient in your journey. And I found that among program directors and other people who have decision-making abilities in the match, really, that IMGs tend to be known for their resilience. Maybe all of them do not have an Andre narrative, um, but at some base level, you have to be resilient. And I think you would be able to tolerate some risk to put everything into applying. And so I wanted to know if this resilience is a trait that you see in your IMG colleagues who you work with as well. Right. I I would say overall, yes. I think overall for physicians, generally, yes. For IMGs, I do see it a little bit more, I would say. And for older IMGs, who I'm not old, but um, (laughs) I mean, the group that they consider older IMGs at the time when I was applying based on my time out of med school, I see it even more in those persons. And I mean, it goes without saying, right? With maturity and they've just wanted this for so long and they've been going so their Mr. or Miss Perseverance, you, you really see it. But what that translates though is, and I think sometimes program directors who are a little bit more seasoned and have a little bit more experience with IMGs is that they know when they get these particular candidates, it really translates into something very good for their program, okay. right? So when my the person who interviewed me, they ended up in the program, I think, because of a similar story like mine. And I think mine really sat with them as they saw themselves in me. And they put a lot of support behind me. And I guess that's why I'm at where I'm at now. And now that I'm there, I think he's seen the payoff and he's seen where that resilience and that perseverance is translating into something good in the program where they would probably want me to stay on a staff there or so forth, or you get so involved in a lot of things or, you know, okay, he needs to be one of our chief residents to add to the program and that sort of thing. I think that resilience truly translates into something beautiful in programs. A good lesson for everyone who's listening. Definitely when somebody takes an opportunity or whenever they take a chance on you, sorry, Mm -hmm. you need to make them proud, you know, or the door will shut for the next person. 100%. What, that is so important. That mm-hmm. is so important. I really have to emphasize that because a lot sometimes some of us don't have the opportunity because doors unknown to us have been closed because of persons who've gone before us, right? Mm-hmm. So it is truly our goal when you get in or someone does something for you or got on a limb for you, you really ought to just keep the, maintain their reputation and do more like go beyond expectations go beyond. go beyond expectations that way you can pull another man or another woman through that door right mm-hmm. that, that's really so important absolutely i think mm-hmm. it's the least you can do and i find because well now everyone who's listening clearly i'm focusing more on imgs but i have tons of experience with you know students across the board mm-hmm. and i find that sometimes the younger that people are the less mm-hmm. they understand what a big deal it is when someone vouches for you because it's like that's their professional reputation they have put that reputation on the line to say okay all the specs might not seem perfect but i see something in this person give them a chance right that's their whole career that they spend building that reputation really is and you see now even in this match in the match and residency and so forth when you are in a program so okay now i'm a resident at Howard, people would reach out to you and be like, oh, you know, can you put in a word for me and so forth. And when you don't, I think sometimes people may want to take offense. I think the more mature persons will understand and, mm-hmm. and get where you're coming from. 
because it's not just putting a word, right? It's, it's for example, when people reach out to me, it's my three-year reputation that's there. Absolutely. If I put in a bad candidate two years from now when my sister wants to go to Howard, mm -hmm. and so I have no basis on which to say to someone there, hey, can you put in my sister because you know, I was a good resident and I provided you with good residents. If you are bad, then that's it. My mm -hmm. reputation is shattered, mm -hmm. right? So uh, people definitely, definitely have to bear that in mind. It's, it's a real big deal. Absolutely. So I'm mm -hmm. so glad that you've made that person who saw what they saw. Oh, well, Andre, I'm seeing a theme. Guys, I think I'm discovering a book for <laughs> Andre because I'm seeing all of these themes in the stories. This is like the same thing with the guidance counselor. Yeah, yes. whenever any yes. so anybody who's listening to this broadcast who has a big job for Andre somewhere in the world, take a chance <laughs> on him because he has a track record <laughs> of, of blowing people's minds. Oh. So get him some amazing medical jobs somewhere. All right. So for the doctors who are foreign IMGs, or you know, people call them FIMGs, mm -hmm. and they already don't have the best odds, and then let's say they have a step one failure mm -hmm. or something else right so the odds are against you you're at 50 60 percent and then right. you fail step one how do you know when to give up and how do you know when to press on and you're the expert in this, oh in this area, so man okay um that's a that's a, actually a very difficult question right okay. and there's no right or wrong answer i think the first thing i'd approach is it, it comes from you. It comes from you and within you and whatever you use as your compass and whatever you use to direct you. I know for me, when all the odds were against me and everyone may have said, consider something else or do something else, I knew within me that I was going to match. I didn't know when, I didn't know how, but I knew I was going to match because this is a path I know God wanted me to walk. And this is a path I know I wanted to walk right? Mm -hmm. So a big part of it comes down to you and you truly knowing, was this really what I wanted to do or not? Or was I just doing it for my family or for parents or for wife or husband or, or socials just because it's a norm and everybody's doing it? Was this truly what you want for you and for your career, right? That's important. Now, having decided that, okay, this is truly what you wanted, I think one of the best advice I got, and it's something that really stuck with me, especially in that year um, when it was really hard, and I mean, I eventually matched, but was, you know, this uh, young lady I met, she was a resident, she said, Andre, the only persons that don't match are the persons that stop trying. Mm -hmm. And I thought about it for a while, and I thought about, I'm like, Oh, yeah, that makes sense. If this is what you truly want, the idea is this is what you truly want. You keep going. Like, you keep going. And yes, it's a lot of money and support, but you keep going. Mm -hmm. It's all about resilience. It's all about perseverance. If it is what you truly want and you think this is where you ought to be, then you just go for it. The idea, though, is every time you try, there must be something different. You can't take your same old self there. People, your story needs to be one of, yes, you see those red flags, but this is how I have grown over the period of time. These are the things I've done. So a personal story is the, in the final year when I didn't match and then I went back into the match, I had a whole book and I could, if I had it here, I could take it out and show you. I had a whole book with timelines and the things I wanted to do. And a part of it was, I'm like, okay, how will I be better? Okay, I'm going to do an online master's. 
right? I mean, I didn't do it because I had other things, but I was just like, okay, I'm going to do an online master's in, in education and in this to show that this is what I'm going to do. Then I'm going to do an MPH and I'm going to do this. I'm going to work in some hospitals where I'm going to publish more research. And I kept thinking of how better to do it because mm -hmm. a part of this is the story, right? People right. like a good story, people right. like a good narrative. So if you keep improving yourself every time you're in, in an interview you can be like yes 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 i feel step one or so but i'm so much more than a grade right. right um this is how i've grown over the years or since last year these are the things i've done this is what is new right mm -hmm. and i think with that with the passion and drive behind it i i don't think if you sit in front of anybody they'll be like oh right <laughs> people don't like mediocrity right and if oh, you show that you are way above mediocrity uh, I mean, and you're in people's face, not in a body, but you're in people's face. I think when people talk to me and so I want people to feel passion and know that, yo, yes, this guy's about it. He, mm -hmm. he wants to be here. He will be a great addition to our, people need to see that value. Yeah. And when people see that value, they don't care about your grades that much. Right. right? Yeah. And they know they can take a chance on you. I'm so glad you said that because I think sometimes people position that in a bad light and that everything is balanced so for instance mm -hmm. you don't want to be this go-getter who tramples everybody but right. it's very true that mediocrity is not inspirational like nobody mm -hmm. is inspired right. by mediocrity it just it doesn't work that way mm -hmm. and if you want people to move on your behalf Mm -hmm. you need them to be inspired right. so it's like right. it's not that people will not make calls for you i've right. seen so many of those things in my life like people make calls that open doors that mm -hmm. were shut before but you have to inspire them with something and that something definitely is not going to be you throwing up your hands halfway there yeah, yeah. So. and you know sometimes imperfections are perfectly staged mm -hmm. right for you to come out on top mm -hmm. right it's it's great if if your life and your profile and your portfolio could look perfect right and that's fine but sometimes it is the imperfections right and the failures and sometimes it's those things that really make you different and make you stand out right mm -hmm. so i mean okay yeah you fail a step or yeah you feel something medical school or so forth right there may be something there but if you have risen from that and you understand and you will learn from that and you can demonstrate and articulate that to somebody else, then nobody will fault you because right. who, who here, who listening, who has not failed? Right. No one. You, you were pulled out of your exam because mm -hmm. you couldn't pay for school or nobody right. knows the story at the time behind it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a good point because sometimes I, so I talk with people from all around the world and I definitely advocate for telling your story. Right. That's a big thing. But there are times when I tell people to hold certain things because mm -hmm. some things are so extreme. I mean, they're mm -hmm. not extreme because they're real on one hand, right. but on another hand, they're so extreme that somebody from another environment will not understand it. Right. They, they just cannot appreciate you saying something like not being able to test because you didn't have right. a meal or because you lost a parent because of this problem with the healthcare system. So you have to figure out how to position that in a way that doesn't make you seem completely helpless or just crazy or like you're making mistakes, you know? Right. So yeah, yeah. yeah that's a plus for you to know how no, to tell No, it's story. true. And you have to, this idea of like reading your audience, right? And knowing yes. where you are, right? 
Yes, I when people interview, well, when I talk with people, and they're like, oh, and they're being all honest. And I'm not saying you are to be dishonest, but you have to know your audience and know how to say something so people can relate and understand and feel with you, right? But at the same time, not look on you weird. So mm-hmm. some of these situations are prime, right? You may say that and someone thinks you're just giving a lot of excuse or whatever, whatever. But if you know the audience, and that's where sometimes coaching and mm-hmm. so forth, like the services you offer, so right. forth, that's where sometimes that's important mm-hmm. for you to know how to say things, especially in cultural contexts and in social climates and that sort of thing. How do I say things so people can relate and not be offended or just really thrown off by what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And how mm-hmm. can they empathize without feeling that you're trying to paint yourself Ex- as a victim? Exactly, so. yeah. So you're currently chief resident. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what has that been like? Ah. Uh. Um, so because you can, of course, trace it back to my institution, <laughs> but um, it, it really has been a year of growth. Um, this I, is I the used... scrubbed version, everyone. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but it really has been a year of growth. I realize growth and perseverance is a big part of my thing, but it really has been. Um, in my initial interview with my program director, I remember him asking me, you know, what would I like to be in charge of or under my portfolio as chief? Because we have different things. And um, what I asked for, he said, but you're actually really good at that already, mm-hmm. right? You, that's your area that you're pretty strong at. And we've noticed that in the program. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yes. So that's why I'd like <laughs> to do it. <laughs> and he said, no, he said, no, Ooh. he's like, it's like a part of your year as a chief resident I want for you is I want you to grow and I think you'll grow as much in there. So perhaps you should consider something that's a little bit outside of your comfort zone. Your zone of excellence. Right. <laughs> your zone of excellence. Right. And, um, and that resonated with me because that's always something I do for myself. I push myself to say, go outside of your comfort zone, try things. You never know. You'll probably really like it or really excel at it. So I took on the particular role that I have there and um, it, it, it really has been a year of growth. Anybody <laughs> listening to this knows that growth, right? For you to grow, you really, really, really have to go through hardship and really push and things, it's just a learning phase. I think that's all I can say. It's just a learning phase. Um, but over time, I really have started to see how uh, my perspective is different. With leadership now comes this huge magnifying glass where before your little thing would not be seen, but now it's now magnified and you really, it's kind of like living in the spotlight. So you really now have to consider everything you do and the impact. And importantly, now consider perspective. That was I see things sometimes a particular way. Now, in this position, I've had to consider perspective, like how does a single female think about this versus a married female versus someone with a family versus this versus how does admin in the hospital see something versus as a resident. It, and that's really interesting to start seeing things from other person's perspective, because I think now that really allows for growth. It, you can see tremendous improvement in many other spheres in your life, honestly, just by understanding that because it's, mm-hmm. it's a lot of conflict resolution and so forth, a lot of problem solving. Um, but sometimes when you go through it, you're like, hmm, but I know later on, I'll look back and I'll be like, wow, okay, that's where I learned all of 
that from. Because mm-hmm. I am me now because of hardship and perseverance and growth from before. Mm-hmm. So I really can see where um, this is really preparing me for something else. All mm-hmm. right. And we'll be watching to see what the something else is. All right. So <laughs> what does Andre do for fun? How do you get down? Oh, <laughs> man. So that's a question that's been coming up a lot, especially as we interview candidates. At oh, really? Howard. Mm-hmm. Oh, a lot of people who come there, that's a question they always ask the residents. And I, I tend to have lunch with a lot of the candidates who pass through. And they ask, oh, what do you do for fun? I am very outdoorsy. I'm from St. Elizabeth. So I'm very rural and country, as people would say. So I'm bush. clubbing bush, right? <laughs> there you go. There you go, bush. So, you know, clubbing and big city life is really not my thing. I do like and eat and dine and that sort of thing. Um, and have a good time with friends but at the end of the day I prefer to be outdoors so for example now that I'm here vacation in Jamaica going and jumping off waterfalls and um, you know doing these doom buggy tours or ATVs or zip lining or rafting or so forth all of those I like that sort of thing I mean if it's outdoors then I'm pretty much probably gonna do it I I like a little adrenaline, but I am safety conscious because there's that <laughs> physician side to me. So right. um, finding that balance is sometimes you know tricky. Sometimes I rely on my friends to say, no, we're going a little bit too extreme. But yeah, we jump out of a plane. I mean, you know. I'm, Have you ever jumped out of a plane? Not yet. So okay. I've been looking at them, but um, my friends are saying no. Um, but what I've done is I've done the iFly, which is the... Indoor. The indoor one, um, which was pretty amazing. So yeah, anything in water, I'm pretty much in it. And as you heard already, dominoes, football, you name it. I'm finding that I've had less time these days to do these things, um, at least some of them, but I don't make extra effort to. And when you get vacations, you have to max them. <laughs> okay. Yes. All right, Andre, so up next is my very favorite segment called 60 Seconds of Fun Questions. Okay. The instructions are that you just answer with the first thing that comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Do not overthink it. And we answer as many questions as we can in 60 seconds. Okay. All right. Interesting. For vacation, Antigua or Jamaica? Jamaica. Clinical work or research? Clinical. Clinical work or teaching? Teaching. Teaching or research? Teaching. (laughs) Medical mission or guest lecturer? Missions. Summer or fall? Summer. Winter or fall? Fall. Church or sleeping in? Church. (laughs) (laughs) Now what you're supposed to say is soccer or zip lining? Oh, soccer. Beach or river? Ah, beach. Jeans or dress pants? Jeans. Staycation or vacation? Vacation. Eating out or cooking dinner? Eating out. On a Friday night podcast binge or movie binge? Movie binge. Who dead or alive would you most want to meet? Dead or alive? I don't know. Um, Obama. What would you ask them? How did you do this, man? Oh, all man. right, and there we go. He oh. answered all the questions. Oh. We're actually probably the first person to come in on in the six really? all of them. Well, Andre, thank okay. you so much, oh, Dr. Morgan. Thank you so much for your time today and for sharing so authentically and for giving tons of 
tips and strategies and I think just an honest picture mm -hmm. of what the journey to residency match is like or can be like <laughs> for an IMG. It can be worse than the worst case scenario <laughs> that you envision, guys. So thank you so much. Okay, it was my pleasure. I hope we've inspired somebody today. Yes. Um, I'm sure our journeys are all different. Mm -hmm. um, some people easy, some people harder, but at the end of the day, I think we all can make it. And that's why it's important that we share our story. You never know who wanted to hear that. Thank you for tuning in to the IMG Residency Match podcast. To learn more about how you can match into your dream residency, even if right now you don't know where to start, go watch a free training brought to you by the IMG Residency Match Application Accelerator at imgresidencymatch.com. By the end of the training, you'll know how to create an application that communicates to programs why they need to invite you to interview and rank you highly so you can match. Now, don't forget to share this podcast with at least one colleague you know applying to the match so you can celebrate together on match day. And be sure to rate and subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. And now we close with a word of inspiration from me, your host, Shauna Kay. Learn how to feel fulfilled by the journey, not the destination. If you don't learn how to feel fulfilled by the journey, you'll find yourself hustling from destination to destination, but never feeling as if you have arrived. <laughs>